When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Seasons greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Allen. I am JP Mosier. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. JP, how you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing fantastic. We gave you all the greatest Christmas gift we could provide yeah. last season by giving you some time with Dave Barnes. Yep. and we Uncle te- Dave. Uh, Uncle Dave. <laughs> and we teased it with, he's coming back, and guys, he's kickstarting 90s month. Yeah. We're doing March Madness 90s month. And we brought in uh, a special wealth of knowledge yes. to share all things 90s and all things uh, this song with us. Dave Barnes, welcome, David McKee Oh McKee-Barnes. my gosh, it's thanks for having us. Yeah, it's good I, to have- like I, I have a Pavlovian response anytime anyone says my full name. That's right. Like I feel like I start sweating and I think I'm in trouble immediately. <laughs> I can't help it. It's like, oh no, I'm going to get grounded. That's exactly oh, what I felt. I started to leave just out of shame. <laughs> uh, yeah, we are doing uh, the next, for the month of March, we will be doing uh, interviews with all 90s artists. Not that Dave is Not a the, 90s yes. artist, but he, we're going to be covering a, a 90s song. Yes. Uh, Robbie, you want to tell them what song we're covering? Oh, today we got a great one. This is an all-time great 90s rock song. Let's talk a little bit about... Oh, inter- wait, before we do that, we got to do our five hot takes. Oh, oh, we've got okay. Dave on, so we got to rapid right, fire our five hotties so, real quick. If you didn't hear the last episode, and if you are, are, are unaware of this, Dave hosts a podcast of his own, two podcasts of his own, Dadville with John McLaughlin and Dave's Five Hot Takes, which is more music-oriented. I mean, Dadville is music-oriented in its own way because you and John are who you are, but music like meta music there we uh, go. podcast, Dave's Five Hot Takes, the is just dives. a joy. And so uh, we thought, if if you don't mind, we can step on your gimmick a little bit and bring no, our I, own I, I, hot I, takes. This gives me so much joy. You have okay. no un- idea. Okay, so last time JP did three, and I did two. This time I'm going to bring gonna three. Do you want me to start? Go for it. Okay, I'll go Alternating first. Alternating fashion. Okay. Um, oh, I'm coming in blazing. The first, <laughs> the first verse to Always by Bon Jovi is the worst lyric in rock history. <laughs> <laughs> This Romeo is bleeding? Is yes, it that one? Yes. The mixed metaphors are just off the charts. Like, a mixed metaphor is a thing you're just not supposed to do. It's bad writing. Um, <laughs> I have a theory that it was actually written not by John Bon Jovi, but by a songwriting computer, the Songcutron <laughs> 5000. <laughs> And John just hit the generate metaphor button four times, uh, and it got that first verse. Oh, dude, Listen, that's, that's this Romeo is bleeding, but, but you, you can't, can't see, see his blood. blood. New metaphor. It's nothing, nothing but, but some th- feelings that this old, old dog, dog kicked up. New metaphor. It's been raining since you left me. Now I'm drowning in the flood. New metaphor. You see, I've always, always been, been a fighter, fighter but without, without you, I, I give up. up. That's the first song I ever played in church. On piano. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, whoa, whoa, it's whoa. Good. well, the pastor, it was a uh, power went out at church. We had this old acoustic <laughs> piano. Um, it was like around Christmas time, and the pastor's like, hey, JP, you play piano, right? Can you come up and just play something for the altar? And I'm like, I know like three songs, one of which is the progression oh to Always gosh. by Bon Jovi. And I'm like, I'm going with what I know I can get through. <laughs> so I played the progression for Always by it's Bon Jovi. It's a good Jovi. thing you didn't know, like, The Entertainer by Scott Joplin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Heart and soul. I can always fall back on that. Oh my god! But yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Can, can I just say because you know I'm gonna I, I have an aside for all of these. That's just, I'm so sorry, but that is how it it's works. Okay. It's it. wonderful. I would meet yours, and this may be blasphemy, okay? okay. But I would meet yours by arguably all I want to do is make love to you by heart, oh. written by written by Mutt Lang. Now this, oh. but first of all, you're thinking there's no way. Um, first of all, it's the most male chauvinistic. <laughs> male written female song say yeah. by song. female, female. Yeah. so there's no way any woman I know <laughs> and I mean literally maybe any woman I've ever met okay and I've strolled through New Orleans so <laughs> would ever be the like all they I, wanted this to. resonates with me yeah let me cover this basically it's this really bizarre it was a rainy <laughs> night when he came into sight standing by the road no umbrella no coat first, so first of all he's an idiot <laughs> So I pulled up alongside and I offered him a ride. Terrible decision. He accepted with a smile and we drove for a while. You're psycho. He's psycho. You're both psycho. He accepted with a smile, so we drove for a while. What's happening here? I didn't ask him his name. That is really disturbing. This lonely boy in the rain. Now it's trouble because he's a pedophile, okay? 
Fate, tell me it's right. Is this love at first sight? Please don't make it wrong. Just stay for the night. All I want to do is make love to you. Wow. Nice That's to just meet the you. first lyric. That's just the first <laughs> lyrics, yeah. folks. My goodness. That's good. That good. song, if you want to have a really good time, and you'll have to do it. Everybody, I, I beg you to, to read it. This guy wrote this on, on, it was like on, you know, not GQ, but one of these where somebody just did a random article on why this is the worst lyric of all time. Oh. You will urinate your pants laughing. Because <laughs> what I just did, he does on a much deeper that's level, great. and it's genius. Oh, that's great. But that lyric is so disturbing. It really is like, uh, you know, I mean, I don't want to be weird, but it's like a letters to penthouse. That's exactly you know, like, what it sounds like. Yeah. I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know that from experience. Yeah, People told me, me that. But no, that's, it feels like if you let a third, it feels like whoever wrote Game of Thrones wrote that song. <laughs> Like George Martin was like, I have a lyric for you. That's funny. <laughs> Good start. I, 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 number two is not going to be near that level, but here we go. Dave's Five Hot Takes is a front together, the most super group of all super groups together. Oh, whoa. Your first group, your first guest. I'm just going to go in order. Here we go. Y'all are the greatest, it's going to be the greatest uh, super group, but you got to have alter egos, and I'll talk about that here in a minute. Um, James Bay, first artist on lead guitar. We're going to call him Little Jimmy Rivers. Jimmy, because, you know, whatever. <laughs> little Jimmy Rivers. Come on, little lead acts. You got James Bay. On acoustic guitar, Drew Holcomb, a.k.a. Yep. Yep. Art Hornfinkel. <laughs> Art because Drew Hornfinkel because that's the greatest name oh ever. So on keys, John McLaughlin, that's your yep, third yep, artist. Yep. Um, each band needs uh, somebody with one name nickname, so I'm going to call him Chops because Ooh. he's got nasty Ooh, good Chops that. on keyboard. And he had really good like sideburns. Side yeah. So you got Chops on keys. Um, who's going to play drums? Duh, the greatest Duh. drummer in the room, Thank Daviticus so Silo, David oh McKee God. Barnes. Daviticus. I write sci-fi novels on the side. That's so <laughs> Daviticus, exciting. best name ever. Come on. Okay, now, so you've got your core, but you got to have a bass player, and this yeah. is where it gets a little tricky if you're okay. going down the order. Okay. Okay. That's where me and Rob step in. Oh, okay. So okay. we're going to alternate on bass okay. Um, okay. every song. I like y'all alternate. The alternate, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you both stay on stage? <laughs> no, 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 wait. Here's how it goes. He plays the four string, and I play five. <laughs> really? That's the real real. <laughs> So lights go down after every song. Come back up. It's the other one. Oh, but we're I wearing the exact this. same outfit, size, and everything. Like same shirt. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Nobody knows. It's like it's just gonna look weird. And we're standing right by, right by you on drums. You know, we're holding it together, locked in. Um, and nobody's really a front man. You guys are kind of. So I'm thinking, who's like y'all could all front the band. Um, yeah. Four powerhouse vocalists, five yeah. if you add Rob, and then whatever. I feel, I love so, it. so you got to do. You got to be an Eagles cover band. Oh, I love oh. that. So that way, you, and you. So what do you call the band? Um, it can be any na- name of any Eagles song. Maybe sure. Tequila Sunrise. Maybe New Kids in Town. May I submit Heartache Tonight? Heartache Tonight oh, is good. I would you're in pick, the band. You can. I would pick Wasted Time. Because I feel like you guys, but have it would great. need to be spelled T H Y M E. Yes, yes. There you we know. go. Okay. Okay. Long run, good. long that's, run that's, could that's be good. a good. Uh, band so that, that's what I got for oh. number two. That was that was beautiful, man. The nicknames just about killed me. You like it? <laughs> I made Little Jimmy start, Rivers. I made Art start Hornfinkel. calling them those names it. unbeknownst <laughs> to them. They'll be like, "What? Why am I little?" Dude, Art you know Hornfinkel. who I talked to the other day? Little Jimmy Rivers. He's over in London. He's killing it. Art Horfinkel was killing it. Horfinkel just. Man, does that guy love coffee? All right, number three. All right, number three. Oh, man. See, I've just got a list of, and now, okay, I'm going to have to, okay. All right, I told you last time I had a Counting Crows hot take. This is my Counting Crows hot take. This is a double. This is a two for hot take, okay? Okay, okay, okay. okay. Hot take in two parts. August and Everything After is the greatest album of my generation. Hot take part one. Wow. Okay. Okay. But. Okay. Delamitri, Roll to Me, is a better band than Counting Crows. That's my two-part hot take. That's a very hot take on Dimitri. But if you look at the body of work and the songwriting, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Dimitri over Counting Crows. I, I don't. I disagree. But that's why it's a hot take. And right? I love. Everybody. I have every Counting Crows album. I have a bunch of them on vinyl. But Dimitri, I'm telling you. People in the states never did, never really got into Delamitri. They had the one song. Other than Roll to Me, that's like two minutes and twelve seconds long. It's like the shortest song to ever. But I'm telling you, if you dig through their back catalog, and I'm so excited because at the end of the break, at the end of 2020. They were supposed to put out a new album. I hope, as we air this, that they actually did. Um, but the first new album in like twenty years. It's awesome. Um, but yeah, they're like their songs are so they're so good. Good. Okay, a couple things I have to say. I'm not pushing back real hard on Counting Crows. Obviously, I've got thoughts about that, but I absolutely get where you're coming from because that record is. I will say this though: the drumming on that record. I was this is when I was like right in the middle of my drumming phase of life. 
is some of my favorite drumming on any record oh, of all time. Same. I used to play drums constantly. To that it it is. The, the, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. He wasn't in the band, or he was right, in the that band. Was his only he was album. out. It was only album. Yeah. He was phenomenal. 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 Yeah. Um. So band wise, I would you know I do think that's I always listen to that record and I'm always everything about it. The guitar parts, everything is genius. Um. Everything. But I hear you. Delamitri, Justin Curry, the lead singer, yes. is is in my top ten vocals of all time. Yeah, and I'm, that's a that's a real hot take. But he really like I hear him sing, and I'm like, I feel everything. Tell her this is in my top twenty of all time. <laughs> oh wow! And um, and his voice is unparalleled. And I tell you what, I love about his voice. This is so funny. You picked them. I randomly did this during quarantine. I I went on a big Delamitri deep dive. He's he's putting out records still as a yeah, solo artist. Solo, uh-huh. Sounds absolutely just as good and maybe better singing than he yeah. ever has. Yep. Which to me is a feat. But good gracious, can that guy sing? Yes. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, he's such a great singer. Absolutely. Good call. Good His, call. I, I have to be careful with their music because if I listen to too much of it, it just makes me sad. Yeah. Like <laughs> they're you know, some bands are like sort of fundamentally full of joy in their writing or whatever. Delamitri is just fundamentally oh, no, no. It's, sad. Down. It's some dark Scottish even, music. Yes. Even their love songs are are just they have Tormented. this underbelly yeah. of just ugh. <laughs> Dude, tell her this to me. It really I mean, I'm not I'm we're gonna wrap it back up here. But it is just so, oh my God, that, that, a, a song as an apology yeah. in his voice, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, Absolutely, that, that makes All me right. happy. All right, uh, hot, hot take, take three. four. Four? Four, yes, one, two, three, four. four. Uh, this is a biggie for me, and this is going to, uh, And So It Goes is the best Billy Joel song ever written <sighs> off the best album, Stormfront. <laughs> And I'll tell you why. That's the hottest part of your take. That's this a white album. hot take. This, nobody is going to pick Stormfront. Uh, I'll hand it over to Dave so he can read it. We didn't start the fire. I go to extremes. Down Easter, Alexa, Leningrad. That's not her style. Little shameless. Diddy called Shameless. Shameless. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit. I need a minute on this because this is a big take that I'm going to get hit in the face over. Songs written about his relationship with Elle McPherson when he was like 30 and she's a teenager. And it, so he ended it to be with... Christy Brinkley. Well, she was legit a teenager. She was 18, so she's oh, okay. legal, but barely. Um, it sounds the, worse to just say teenager. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Sorry. That's the most accidental brag ever. He's like, I'm leaving Elle McPherson <laughs> yeah. for Christy Brinkley. Yeah. It's like amazing there. It's kind of— A little the, pushback on his taste in women, but keep going. <laughs> kind of a—yeah, right. It's, to me, the Gettysburg Address of songs that it says <laughs> a lot in many simple words. <laughs> Um, 2009, Howard Stern asked Billy Joel what his most underappreciated song with. He said this one. Wow. And it also has the best line in any Billy Joel song ever. And every time I held the rose, it seemed I only felt the thorns, which I think is the best Billy Joel line no. ever. Mm. That's what, a really I, hot take. I, okay, yeah. I, I, I got to keep okay. going. Let me That's finish a, my point, and you can kill me. Scorching hot. Iambic t- tetrameter. Do y'all know what that is? So Explain I, it for the I, listeners. I'll explain it for the lim- uh, Iambic tetrameter is sets of four that equal eight, which would be like, da-dum, da-dum. Da-dum, da-dum, yeah. da-dum, 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 da-dum. That's the entire song. The whole song is iambic tetrameter. I'm going to challenge you. Let me explain what iambic pentameter is first, and then we'll go back to that. So iambic pentameter is the same thing, but with ten syllables, so five of each. Okay. Lots of popular songs like that. Welcome to the Hotel California. That's ten. That's a set of ten. Um, it might help if we tap or count it out on your fingers. Yeah. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Okay. Ten. Jerry Lee Lewis. Destiny. I'm a survivor. I'm gonna make it. Okay. Um, on a night like this, I could fall in love. Now David that one Barnes. Sounds especially Man, profound. So, Tell which me more about that. Also has arguably your best lyric of all time on that with. In iambic pentameter, but your silhouette is the Judas kiss. Yeah. Money. Thank you, okay. David McHugh. That feels so special. Iambic pentameter, but name me another song in iambic tetrameter. That's just sets of four. Sets of four. I bet it. you can't do it. I can't think of one. At home, think of ones that's just sets of four for the entire song. You okay, know where I'm one. not going to do it now, but you know what I, where I would dig is those, like, um, those, those, uh, I think of my Sharona. That not that song, okay. but that world because it's so chunky, 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 chunk, 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 mm. that sort of yeah, thing. Possible, but, yeah, great ahead. thought. I, I, I couldn't think of one. Um, yeah, um, and it also the chord structure on that. It's the last song of the last album of '89, so it ends his '80s, Joel, technically, because mm. it's the last song of '89, and the chord structure is a throwback to Extremes, which is probably the arguably one of the biggest hits off of it, where the chorus does the. 
on the and so it goes. It's and every time I've held the rows, it's the and every time is a C over B flat, which is a one over a flat, flat seven, seven yeah. to an F over A, and that's the same way that Extreme starts. Yeah. So oh, wow. he's throwing it. Brilliant album, underrated. Man, that's a, that's you defended yourself very well. So there you go. Everybody's <laughs> gonna kill me and be like, "How do you not pick the stranger? How do you not pick you know whatever?" Here's the only here's the only pushback I have because I, I I I there there's a lot, <laughs> but I, I you defended yourself. The only thing I would say lyrically, and I know everybody's got their own, but I can't even pick a lyric out of this song because the whole lyric is to me my favorite lyric. But she's always a woman to me. Is is in the nether sphere for just untouchable. <laughs> And literally, like, I was sitting here reading it, and I'm like, I can't even, I could tell you some lines, but they're all, I don't know that he misses on that whole song. Mm -hmm. I mean, but, like, a couple of my favorites, um, she can take you or leave you, which I love. She hides like a child, but she's always a woman. That song, to me, if I had written that, I'd been like, well, now I'm going to go work at Home Depot because my job is done here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've uh, contributed to the world. Billy Joel is a genius. So anyway, genius. That's, that's, a, that's an episode all in all of its own. It's Billy yeah, Joel-ness. But that's, that's my edited for television. <laughs> rapid fire through it. Um, and you guys, if you haven't, I mean, goodness gracious, pick up Brother Bring the Sun yeah. with, uh, with On a Night Like This. There it is. Closing Free the plug. album. Free plug. There you go. There you go. It's good stuff. No. All right, I'm going to bring hot take five, uh, and this this is a hot take that I truly feel like I'm uniquely gifted to bring. Okay, I, okay. I've and I've felt this since I was a kid, since I was a child. I've been waiting to release this hot take, so this is never before heard anywhere. Okay, Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> yes, you're <qualified. laughs> wow. Weird Al Yankovic parodied King of Pain by the Police. Okay, he did a song called King of Suede, where he's selling suits, um, and the mix on the Weird Al version is better than the mix on the police version <laughs> because it properly accentuates the melody in the chorus where in the police version it gets buried. The, it's established in the first chorus that the melody is, uh, I have stood here before outside the pouring rain. Da, 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 right? In the police version, then the second chorus is bigger and the vocal that's hotter is the, the, the harmony. I have stood here before outside the pouring rain. Da, 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 Right and the and the ba -da -ba -da 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 -da, it's buried in the Weird Al version. It's flipped and everything is appropriately apportioned. So I'm that's that's my hot take is Weird Al's mix of his parody is better than the dude. Mix you of kind of just parody. blew my mind because I don't even know that I've ever listened to it like that to realize that the harmony is the one that they use. That you kind of go, oh, there's the melody. It's it like no, 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 no. It bothers me because oh, they established it already. Like they said, here's the course melody, and then when it comes back, it's it's they, buried. Well, you know, well, I was going to say too that the weird out. I mean, th 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 there's a little bit of a consistency. I mean, this is a you're we're scalding at this point. <laughs> we're surface of the sun, but there's a weird consistency with his with his parodies that they they do that. They do such a good job of covering songs that you'll listen to the instrumentation <laughs> and mixes, and you're kind of like. Ooh. <laughs> they may have gotten this a little better. Maybe it's because they get a second take at it. Yes. You know what I mean? And yes. they're like, you know. They I mean, should have done this. Truly, they should have raised let's, them. Let's, let's pull up, you know, 4K in that just a little bit more than it is on the thing. It's their chance to fix whatever they yeah. didn't like. <laughs> their yeah. engineer's like, yeah. you know, here's my problem with that record. Right? You know that like, if they did September, they would have fixed that bass part. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was about and to the tempo, say. They would have played with the click. <laughs> that's exactly yeah, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Well, guys, we're not talking about any of those hot takes. That's all the But in classic JP, Rob, Dave Barnes fashion, we yeah. uh, tributaries. There we That's go. Right. <laughs> Rob, you want to tell them what song we are talking about to kickstart '90s? Absolutely, month? we're kicking off '90s month with one of the greatest—not just '90s rock, one of the greatest alt rock songs of all time. Mount Rushmore, maybe. Mm. This is "Interstate Love Song" by Stone Temple Pilots. This song starts out. You're like. What a sweet young man. I, I want to talk about that. I did a pretty deep dive on that, on that, on the layout at some point on the song structure.
Chorus is undeniable. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that is Interstate Love Song by Stone Temple Pilots from the 1994 album Purple, written by Stone Temple Pilots bassist Robert DeLeo and vocalist Scott Weiland. It went number one on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Chart for 15 consecutive weeks, a record at the time. Good night. And it gave them 17 total consecutive weeks at number one because the track Interstate Love Song knocked out of the number one spot was Vaseline, oh, their first single. I love Vaseline. Off the purple. I do too. I love that oh song. my gosh. Oh, it's so good. <clears throat> Such a great one. It went to number two on the U.S. Alternative Airplay chart, number 18 U.S. Radio Songs, and number 22 on the U.S. Mainstream Top 40. It is listed as number 58 on VH1's list of the best hard rock songs of all time. It was nominated for four MTV Video Music Awards in 1995. It lost all of them. It lost one to More Human Than Human by uh, White Zombie, one to Buddy Holly by Weezer, which, what are you going to do about that one, Waterfalls by TLC, and Love is Strong by the Rolling Stones. Uh, I don't even know what that song is. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It won a VMA. I don't know. Uh, just uh, it doesn't get better than I don't really think of. I don't really think of Stone Temple Pilots as a grunge band. Uh, and there's sort sort. Well, of, I do. They got knocked early oh, on. Oh, I as do. Being, do How, you? Yes. I think of them as alternative, more no, mainstream rock than grunge. I, I put them in grunge. I put them right there with. I mean, I don't like Nirvana, which we obviously know that. But I go. I mean, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Smashing Pumpkins. You don't put them in that. I think I, they did. I think they did digress a little bit. I mean, if you listen to the first record, though, the first it is record like, is very. But this one, yeah, no, I, you could. I think their first record fair. got killed Core. because cr- critically, they got accused of sort of being copycats. They're from San Diego. Go and, and it was like they're hopping on this Seattle thing, you know what I mean? And and I mean his voice is undeniable, like obviously it's got all that. I tell you that first but, album uh, is got uh, Creep and Plush on it, yeah. and it's got Wicked Garden. Like they are not Christians, but they know like their uh, biblical knowledge they have is a lot of... maybe better than some Christians. <laughs> yeah, some CCM bands like, so, at that exactly. time for sure. <laughs> oh man, that's great. God, I, can we just really quickly plush? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. The acoustic version? Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember hear I remember hearing that the first time and being like, I don't know how to deal with my feelings <laughs> about this. I bet I I mean, I feel like probably the 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 unplugged era really appeals to you. Yes. Right. Yes, I mean yes. it's like everybody got invited to the Bluebird one night. Yeah. And you know, we're just all hanging out. Well, honestly, we were gonna do uh for our, our rivalry uh weeks, one of last episodes, our original idea was to do the Nirvana Unplugged album. Which we're gonna do in the future. I hate the album and, and Rob, Rob loves it. it. So oh, I can't I can't stand it. We do a rivalry thing. You know, the, the funny thing to me, uh, and this may be a hot take actually, but if if you think of Scott Weiland's voice, to me, he is this weird, perfect, wow, I've never thought of this until this moment, but I think this is true. Tell me if you think so. He is the perfect amalgamation of Kurt Cobain and Eddie Vedder. I, once you started to say he's the perfect, I we went, knew where we're going with yeah, it's it. Vedder and Kurt. It's yeah. almost like, and, and, and I think one of the reasons I love them so much is he's a really good singer. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Eddie Vedder's an amazing singer, but He's just a little more palatable. Yeah. It's like you take all the out and then you add a little bit of Kurt's like nasal thing. Mm-hmm. And it really is. He's this perfect uh, mashup of those two voices. Yeah. I was going to put this in. But the a better meet, singer than both. I was going to put this in the meet the band section. But, you know, and you guys will probably shoot me in the face when I say this. But, you know, who I think is trying to be Scott Weiland is Scott Stapp. If you listen mm-hmm. to listen to Wicked Garden and then listen to What If. And it's okay. like they're he's trying to I do that. that. And the other super group or other super group that Scott Weiland was in, the Art yeah. of Anarchy, when Scott passed when Scott Weiland passed away, guess who they replaced him with? No way. Scott, Scott Stapp. Stapp. No kidding. Yeah. yeah so. Well there oh. is I think there is in any in any genre thing like this, especially in grunge, one of the weird um how do I say this? I think one of the weird things that you get the longer a genre stays around is the better versions of the people that started it. Yeah. It's like the cl- better iteration because people grew up listening to Eddie Vedder and they're like, okay, I can, ma- I can do a version of that that's a little more clean <laughs> and cleaner. palatable. 
And I think that's some of what happens here is you have a guy that came up listening to that. That's good. And and they and he he's goes, like, I can do that. Yeah, but like, but I, I, but can, I can maybe do it in a way that's a little cleaner, a little more uh, digestible. Yeah. Although good. again, and definitely more intelligible. Yes, right? especially yes, in the yes, early Pearl Jam yes, stuff. Yes. You know, um, he does a thing. Wyland does a thing like with his melodies that really that really settles well with me because it's because it speaks to one of my insecurities where he writes melodies that really tell you what the chord is about that like wow you know what i mean wow. so you get into that that chorus only yesterday you lied right he's doing that sort of like and all the way through it and there's a couple i'm gonna get deep into one of the chords on the song because i i, I love it take us um but he but he he writes those melodies that really let you know that he knows what's going on musically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's that's one of the things that like sometimes when I'm writing or whatever, I I hamper myself because I feel this need to make sure that everybody knows that I know what's going on. Yeah. And so sometimes I don't do stuff that could be cool or could be helpful that other people don't have inhibitions and they just, you know, they just sing what they want and it comes out awesome. Um, but like, you're like, that won't fit over that chord. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, like, I I need you to understand that I know what this chord is and that I'm playing it the right way. Uh, cause I'm an Enneagram nine. So that's kind of how that rolls (laughs) for me. Right. Um, so uh, he does, you you say that well, that's, you're, you're kind of blowing my mind right now. Cause when I think about, I listen to a few of their songs more just to get refreshed. And I, I kept thinking about how bizarre but musical his melodies are. Yeah. And that's a, you say it a better way. There is this sort of innate understanding in him that's like, I have more places I can go in this chord mm. to sing. And he tends to do that. Yeah. You know, it's never like this straight way to home. He's like, no, no, we can kind of go over here and then go over here. Yeah. You know. So um, I might as well talk about this chord. I, I've just been waiting ever since, ever since. Is so- it the fourth and the fifth? <laughs> a minor fall no, no, no. Throw that back to our Christmas episode. Guys. <laughs> yeah. it, okay, this is the third chord in the verse. Okay, that I want to really call call attention to. This is a progression, at least on bass, that we're all familiar with. They're starting on the sixth. We're in the key of E. They're starting on the sixth, or they're C sharp e minor. minor. We're all familiar with this this thing that goes. <laughs> right, that's what they're going. It's a chromatic walk yeah. down on bass. Okay, six flat six five sharp four four. Um, but listen to this third chord. It's not what I expect it to be, and I had, and I had never caught it before researching for this episode. I had made assumptions about what this chord was and how I would just play it if I was playing, but it's not. Okay, it's something fantastic. Take a listen. Here we go. That note right there. That note right there means something really special. Let me listen one more time. So typically, what you would get here, you've got the the C sharp minor, which is a six minor, and then uh, and then you go uh, let's see six minor, then you go three major over five sharp, G which sharp is the next, uh-huh. would be your uh, right a G sharp G chord, sharp chord over, over over a C, a okay, C. or a B sharp yeah. technically, and then the third chord typically, you, if you're just hearing it playing it, you're probably going to go either a straight five, five which is a five a in the bass, or, or what I would have told you is it's a one over five, okay. an E over B, right? And then you're going to so the that would be the sharp guitar player diminished. is playing an E chord and the bass player is playing a B on the right. bottom. For yes, the, the... but what you actually get is a C sharp major chord over a B. It's ah 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 ah. Is what you're actually getting. So it's C sharp, G sharp, E sharp, B. Um, e sharp. Uh, yeah. Uh, F note. It's an F. Yeah, it's an F. Okay. But in, it's sorry. In a C sharp major okay. chord, it's going to be called an E sharp. Sure. Um, so over. So it's like a C sharp dominant or a C sharp seven over its own flat seventh. Does that make sense? <laughs> and so, and that's a tough chord to just pick up and play right in the middle of this rock song. Yeah. That's a, like a jazz, you know, voicing. Um, I'm glad but, you said that. But it's, and, and Wyland's melody outlines that chord. With all I read between, uh, 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 right? That's what he's singing. All that I read between the lines. Uh, and so, and then it goes, so it goes, C sharp minor, if you're keeping notes at home, right? C sharp minor, G sharp over uh, uh, over C, or G sharp over B sharp. Um, then a C sharp 7 over B, and then a B flat diminished 
and then to that beautiful, beautiful uh, A, you know, open A, uh, add nine that, you know, yeah. just lets it go. <sighs> Can I ask you something? Do you, and, and, and I don't even know why you'd know this, but I have, do you think they meant, not that Wyland meant to sing that, because obviously very much so, but do you think they knew they were doing that? Like they just played these chords and it just landed that way? I do, and I'll tell you why I do. Okay, okay. Because on the same album, on Purple, on Vaseline, the chord, the it's the B flat, it's yes. a B flat major thirteen, right? Yes. Sharp eleven. Yes, it is a B flat major seven. I don't know much 13, theory when it comes to Rob. Sharp but eleven. I researched that chord. I was like, what is that chord? Like, I have to know what that chord is. So I think it's intentional, yeah. and I think DeLeo's like, I'm going to show you that I listen to jazz. Exactly. And here's the chords yes. I'm going to use. God, for Dean, Dean DeLeo has a jazz bone. Uh, he's got. Uh, he he is very. You start listening for this stuff, and then you start catching all these little voicings that he throws in that you're like. That's not your typical yeah. rock chord, yeah. you know? Um, and so, yeah, that's okay, it's cool. perfect. And they're, br- they're two brothers, right? Yeah, yes. Dean and Robert. Dean mm-hmm. is on guitar, yep, Robert's and Robert's on, on, bass. on bass. But Robert writes most of the stuff, and he's the bass player, yeah. which is not so did they, normal. Did they, they had to have that background? Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Robert originally wrote this song as a bossa nova. The original idea for this was like... Oh my gosh! So that was the original, you know, way that he submitted. Which is it. not grunge, Dave. Not very not grunge. Not grunge. Well, no. uh, you know, potato potato. <laughs> yeah. But and I saw a thing. Um, I watched uh, a little bit of uh, Rick Beato's uh, talking about this. Have you watched his stuff on YouTube? Rick he did Beato? one on this song. You know who? Have, you, you, oh, dude, you'll love him. Oh boy. Okay, he doesn't have a podcast, but he's got a YouTube channel. It's st- it started like three weeks after we started our podcast. Rob's like crap. with a series called "What Makes This Song Great," and uh, but he's like he produced like "Need to Breathe" and er, like early. Uh, he's in Atlanta, and he's got. Have you seen the video of the like the dad with the kid that has like extremely perfect pitch where he's just going? Oh yeah, 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 that's him. Okay? Oh my gosh. Okay, and so he's got this great series. I mean, the guy's brilliant. Yeah, he's the sure. guy's like in- incredible. Um, so he's got it. He's got a thing on this um, where he's talking about, I can't remember if he's talking about Vaseline or this song, but he talks about the first time he saw Stone Temple Pilots, um, he saw um, he saw Dean DeLeo playing something, and the first thing that he played was some Alan Holdsworth jazz quote that he caught because he's a genius, but that he just pulled out in the middle of this you know oh, rock wow. track, and he's like, oh, Jeez. this guy really knows what he's doing. And so, uh, you know, it's just a really cool, really cool thing. And so once you know that about Dean DeLeo, you start to hear it more and more in their music. Um, and it but, would make sense, too, that those guys are brothers because they're both so brilliant. Yeah. I mean, both their playing is... Yeah. Let me play you. I actually found online because I wanted to make sure I knew what I was talking about with this guitar chord. So I was able to find actually the isolated guitar track, which made me super happy. First of all, I love just being able to find stems oh, online and listen to them. It's great. Okay, so come on. Okay. Listen to that buzz. Yeah. There's so much buzz in that track. <laughs> we'll just bury Thank it. Thank you, Reverb. Exactly. <laughs> Stereo. Here it is. Right, this is third chord. He does know exactly what he's doing. He does, and it's a weird, it's a weird voicing to have to just play, you know. So, and then that got me actually listening for more, um, weird more course. isolated tracks from that track. You're gonna love this. Let me play a little bit of the isolated drum track, okay? Okay. Because it's ghost note slash drag heaven. Like it's, oh, yeah, yeah. it's fantastic. RuPaul would love it. <laughs> She'd be, he, she would be all over it. RuPaul, they would be all over it. Please tell me there's an isolated bass part. There is. Oh, I've got yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. Because it's Funky Town. Oh my gosh. He also had that bass drum that was the size of Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> that John Bonham. Every time he hits the snare, it's a ghost snare. note on yeah. I mean, it. I kept waiting for the band snare, to come. Re- I mean. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Um, Please and then, give of course, me some of that. Might as well track. give you the bass note. So the bass note is way funkier than you would expect for a for a quote unquote. If you're going to call this grunge, it's going to be difficult after you hear this bass track because it's closer <laughs> to like Jackson Five. So dirty. That sounds awful. You don't hear that in the mix, or I don't, but it's like, good night, saturated. (laughs) 
That's what I love. That dun, 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 dun. four string. It sounds like he's playing through one of those tiny PV bass amps with like. I love that, dude. That little nod to just like super funky. I love that. Fantastic. You know, he he. One of the things I was going to say about the song, it, that that is like one of the coolest parts of this whole song in the band to me is how he is such an amazing bass player, an amazing bass player. Yeah. And obviously his brother's an incredible guitar player. But to me, if you ask the star of this band, other than Scott, it's him. Yeah. Without it, without any, one of my best buds, a guy named Tony Lucido, who's a bass player, Nashville session guy. And he's like, yeah, he's one of the best bass players of all time. You know, it's like, really? yeah, oh yeah, he's incredible. He's, he's, he's that weird thing. And you know who he reminds me a lot of is the bass player in Cake. Oh, well, okay. We, they both have this ability to fill all the space they're given. And it never bothers not me. Not be in the way. That's never good. bothers me. Mm. It's like not too busy. Yeah, it's, it's never. It's like I love. I love those. I love those things where you have guys who he really should be in a R and B or a funky band, right? Yeah, but he's in this super po- uh, popular, you know, grunge. Sorry, yeah. or you know, <laughs> hard rock band or whatever you want to call it. Alternative yeah. band. It, those little moments in music make me so happy. Where it's like. That really shouldn't work there, and it's so great. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's but, kind of play, he's almost playing like ABC. You know yes. what I'm saying? He's like that sort of style. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I had a moment that I was listening to as I was prepping. I was like, Rob, I was like, this riff. I was like, they took this riff. I was like, this is from oh. I, I, my my dad's a huge hi dad. Yes, I'm I'm still doing this. It's a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, he's a huge Jim Croce fan. So listen to I Got a Name. Listen to the turnaround riff on I Got a Name. What? It's it's this. It's like I was like I text Rob. I was like Rob, am I right on this? Because I always cross check with the theory genius on this. Anyway, it's funny because it's moving me down the highway and it's about an interstate. Wait, listen, right here. Are you kidding me? Come on. Somewhere the three remaining alive band members are wherever they are right now, and they're like, someone found out. They're just working on their computer, and they just felt it like the force. They were like, something's wrong. Someone found out. That's right, yeah. So I was listening to it on the toilet, whatever. And that's like, they even do the rhythm. And it says interstate in... The Stone Temple Pilot song, and it's moving me down the highway. Down the highway. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, that's my one little. Let's go in. Can we meet the band? Let's Real do quick. it. Let's meet, meet these. Meet let's meet em. these band people. band of Stone Temple Pilots uh, on this particular track. Uh, Scott Weiland on lead vocals, also in Velvet Revolver yeah. with Slash. Another su- We talked about supergroups um, early in this. Another good supergroup uh, with Slash. Duff McKeegan from uh, Guns N' Roses. Early Guns, yeah. Matt Sorum from Guns. Dave Kushner, Rhythm Guitar, Jane's Addiction. Basically, it's Guns N' Roses with a different lead vocalist. Yeah. It's kind of, if you look. I love Fall to Pieces. Take it for what you want. I don't know. Oh, Patsy Cline. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm on uh, The, the video is basically the Scott Weiland story. And I noticed something when I was watching Velvet Revolver that I never noticed before on Slash. Um, something, I can't believe I ever noticed this. His solos, do you know what sets Slash off visually before he plays a solo? Uh, Vertical guitar. Oh, okay. I never noticed that. I've That's seen like Slash a thousand times, but before up. he plays a solo. Just when he solos, he goes vertical. Vertical guitar. Hmm. Just something I noticed. Thank you to Velvet Revolver for showing me that. Also in uh, another super group, Art of Anarchy. With John Moyer, bass player for Disturbed, and Bumblefoot. Anyway, anybody have anything they want to talk on Scott Weiland? I just recently discovered Bumblefoot. I didn't really know who he was. Holy Lord. You know who Bumblefoot is? Guitar. Nasty guitar player. No. We don't have time yeah. to get into it. <laughs> he, plays a, he plays a double neck. The, the video I saw was him covering a Joe Satriani song for Joe's new album of, of tracks without lead guitar. And uh, he was playing a double neck, one of which was like a standard or maybe a baritone. And the other neck of his electric guitar that he's playing insane lead on was fretless. 
and he's just going to he's town nasty. on this fretless electric. Until this, until Rob like, we need to um, this Fun fact, uh, or I guess fun small story. One of my dear friends, a guy named David Hodges, who's a songwriter who lived in L.A. at the time, and he used to host this thing called, I think, called Supper and Song. It was a s- super cool thing, and it was like, I think it was once a month in L.A. He would, at his house, uh, host. He had a great setup. He would host people to come in. They would. It got to be where it was kind of such a thing that they had like alcohol sponsors and stuff would okay. come just bring you know I think Grey Goose maybe and then they had food kind of hors d'oeuvres started with like a Natty Light and then yeah, it progressed yeah, on yeah, progressed. yeah 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 uh, and it was so fascinating because uh, one I just loved the idea it was just a way for music people to get together and hang and um, but he would always he would do a, he and David Ryan Harris hosted it together and he and David would each do a song or two and you'd kind of hang in the living room when I was there I bet there was a hundred plus people there wow it was like a pretty big deal that's cool and they would hang, and then he would always have a couple fun guests kind of come out of nowhere. Um, I think I only went once. and I, So so Gabe Dixon was in town, and I was in town. And so he had me play God Gave Me You. Gabe play, played with me because he's, he's played with me a bunch live. Gabe did a song, and then Scott Weiland got up and did a song. Shut up. And you were there. And I was there. Oh, and, that's and cool. He did, um, I texted David this morning because I was like, hey, what are the songs that he said? He did a few from a solo project, and then he did Big Empty. Okay. And I remember it being like, can, that would let's, be chill. Can we talk a minute on Big Empty? I don't know oh, if, yeah. that's, yeah. if that's sacred ground or anything, but that's from the movie The Crow. Yeah. Um, the, the brand, oh, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, Brandon yeah. Lee's death is creepy to me. Yeah. You know the story? That's the so one. Died at the same age his dad did, right? Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. The scene in the movie where they're... Uh, it's a. He's supposed to get shot with supposed a blank. to get shot with a blank, but there was a a bullet lodge in the and shot him like while they're recording the movie. Yeah. He got shot in yeah. there. Sorry to bring it way and, down. Well, but. and actually, I, I read I read a thing while, while researching, and I didn't write it down, but the but the original uh, title of Big Empty was something else, and, and it was like um, it, it had something to do with either <clears throat> shooting, dying, or murder. I can't remember which, but they changed it because of that. Because of that, it was wow. it wasn't it wasn't called Big Empty. Yeah. Man. There is a theme we talked about this because I was listening to Big Empty uh, right before we recorded this, and it's crazy how there is this theme in the way they record these songs where it's like small drums, small big drums, big chorus, <laughs> small drums, big drums. It's like they literally just hit some huge button for all the instruments to add reverb and yeah. power and EQ, and then it's like small verses, small verses, <laughs> big chorus. You know that reminded me of a story from. Uh, did y'all ever see that '86 movie called At Close Range with Christopher Walken and Sean Penn? It's an no. Old movie, it's terrible. It's hated, no. But there's this scene in it where Christopher Walken he's like terrified of guns, and so like before each scene with a gun, he always checks the gun mm. to make sure it's empty, make sure it's fake, like before any gun scene. Seems Something about Christopher Walken. And right before they shot it, Sean Penn's like, he is not bringing it. He's like, I got an idea. So he's like, toss me that real gun. And they toss, and he grabs this, it's a fake gun, but Christopher Walken hears that. And he goes, let's roll it, but, and puts it right up to it. And Christopher Walken freaks out. And they're like, that's the shot. Oh, wow. They're like, scared him to death. Like, that's his actual reaction to what he thinks is a real gun. Dang. So, anyway. Okay, moving on from that on uh, <laughs> guitar, uh, Dean DeLeo ranked number 70. I love this list. Number 73 on Guitar World's top 100 list. Okay. The thing that makes this list so special to me is they polled 250 of arguably the greatest guitarists in the world. So okay. they asked these 250 people. Make this list, and we're going to narrow it down to 170. Okay. So of you guys, 80 aren't going to make the cut, <laughs> oh, which wow. I think is awesome. I think that's the greatest concept ever. And then they have uh, the readers of this magazine vote on the top 100. Oh, okay. So oh, okay. I think that's wonderful because you Smart. take 250 arguably great guitar players. And he was number 50. He's number 73. 73. That's Get, incredible. Guess yeah. who finished number one? This will be a fun guess. It's probably recency bias because this was June of 2020. So who do you think? Oh gosh, who do you think finished number one? Y'all never get there. So many people. Uh, Brian May finished oh, number really? one, okay, and okay. I'm thinking that's maybe because of the Bohemian Rhapsody film. And of right, the top yeah. five, he's the only one that's still alive. Okay, so I'm sure he probably got a bump because of recency bias. But I love that list. Yeah. Um, Yes. Cool. Anyway, uh, incredible simple gear section. I'll touch on real quick, and then we'll move on. Dunlop Crybaby Boss CE1 chorus pedal. Yes, I, I know, right? Right. I love it when guys still use like boss pedals. B- valve drive for overdrive and distortion, and a Rockman MIDI pedal, and that's it. And he's like, because I want to do everything I do in the studio. I just want to take it on stage. Like I just want to carry this little tiny board. And he plays a '78 Les Paul standard. Normally, he has three that he rotates between, rotates between, and some different tellies. Um, through Vox amps, so I mean, he's just your 
Here's my is boss it? pedals yeah. with my guitar that everyone <laughs> Which has. Which is when you're that good, it really through is. Through a Vox amp. True. I mean, it's like, that's what, yeah. On bass, awesome. Robert DeLeo. Also in Hollywood Vampires. Did y'all ever listen to the Hollywood Vampires? Mm-hmm. That was Johnny Depp's band. Johnny Depp, Alice oh, Cooper, right. and Joe Perry. Yep. They should have been bigger. Um, should have. But whatever. Um, he was a former employee of Schechter. The bass company, oh. he like worked for Schechter. Cool. Um, and then he's like, I'm going to play bass. Um, so obviously they designed a signature for him, which my favorite thing about that is it's a four-string. So yeah. I'm a four-string player. All you bass players out there are like, play a five-string. <laughs> but I like <laughs> to get that low D at least. That's why when me and Rob uh, alternate, I'll play the songs with four. Four, he'll do Rob five. will play with a five. Yep. So we'll have to get ready, mixing guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, house, buckle up. House guy's going to have a nightmare with us. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, on drums, I mean, I got some more things on Robert, but nothing of notoriety. On drums, uh, Eric Kretz plays the uh, Yamaha Rock Tour Customs. Then nice. he transitioned, transitioned to GMS drums in 92. Played Pasty Cymbals uh, till 2008 and then swapped to Zildjian, which is weird for me that you would swap your sponsor if you've played that long. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know why. I mean, that's your – why would you change? I don't really know because it's not sponsorship Some, dollars sometimes that, at that that's point. Sometimes that's a rep thing. Like you had a rep okay. who really loved it. And sometimes they – They change the company. One, oh, that's like, good. Hey, I like Joe. He's he, smart. Or or you just get a terrible new rep and they're just not doing not the job. good. Okay, that's thank you for that insight in the business because I was like, why would anybody yeah. change after you've played all the way through your heyday? Well, I mean, if you think, think about Mayor leaving Fender, that's exactly yeah. What okay, I was about. that's good. You know, I think too it can be quality of what's being built. Yeah, you know, which is, I know was John's thing. He was like, his new it sounds good. so good. Did yeah, y'all see him de- de- demo it at Nam? Not this year. Was it this year? Yeah, it was on just okay. a little video. He oh, okay. did. It's good. But that was what he was trying to push them to do some stuff with the strats that they weren't wanting to do. The some of the more contemporary contours, yeah. right, and some of that the kind of stuff. And they were like, nah. contemporary oh. contours sounds like a R and B acapella band. I would try. To <laughs> it does. Contemporary contours. And uh, I went deep on. I, I like to watch live videos to see just what everybody's talking about. And everybody talks about how uh, Eric is the heartbeat of the band. They're like, really? yeah. That's everybody in the comments because I always read the comments below just to see if anything sticks out. And I was like, man, everybody's all about Eric. Yeah, like, he's. They, they, that was. This is a band to me that is like it's a. It's one of those rarities where you, where you had um, the universe just gave you these. I mean, two of them are brothers, but they gave you this really like they're actually good at what they do. Yeah, and there's not. I remember when I was coming this. So this album. Uh, my best friend gave me right before I moved from Mississippi to Knoxville. So it's a very seminal moment of music to me. So I kind of got into it. And that was also when the unplugged thing was, you know, kind of happening for them. And I remember watching that a couple times and loved Eric. I remember being like, this is this again. There was this, there's so, this band is so funny to me because they all have this funky thing. Like the ghost notes, Eric plays mm-hmm. the ghost notes or whatever you would want to call the bass, you know, the guitar, obviously. Those guys knew what they were doing, and there's a real jazz, funky thing happening, but it's all fueled into this alternative rock thing. And so I love those moments, you know, where you have a band who the band is actually, like, really... Yeah, it's not awesome. like, and we're going to have to run this stuff. <laughs> have to you know, as a producer, it, yeah, you're yeah. going gonna to have to, like, oh, let's let me go to the garage and hear them play. I mean, okay, they're good, good. Like, these guys knew what they That's were cool. really good. Yeah. yeah, and that ends up happening, for me at least, with a lot of that sort of era bands because they sort of – you hear the term grunge thrown around and you see they're like sort of dressing up sloppy and you have voices and that sort of betrays the musicality of it all. And then you grow up later and you go, golly, you know what I'm saying? Like, sound, the guys in Soundgarden could play. Oh, dude. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah, like, dude. You know, like, dude. it was just – Dude, dude. You know. We'll, Matt, you know. let me t- – uh, don't – God, why'd you Matt do Cameron? that? Are you going to Matt Cameron? <laughs> well, just because the odd time – the odd time songs of that band yes. and their ability to make those sound so normal and poppy that's is good. another. I, I think I'm going to just be quick. I think one of the things that's really interesting about the '90s to me is it is the last vestige of guys who knew how to play instruments. And this is what I'm trying to say. You had so so the reason I think personally that bands in the '60s and '70s were so good is those were guys and kids and girls whatever that grew up learning how to play something at a very high standard, and so. Mm-hmm. And music was hard to play. Yeah. Like, you couldn't just learn one, four, five, and that's your day. Yeah. You know, like, uh, uh, so so to me, the 90s, because that meant those guys grew up, you know, they grew up in the late 70s, 80s. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to learn Rush and Toto, yeah. and you're not, that's, it's not a hack job. You mm-hmm. got to know what you're doing. You can't so, pick up a Mel Bay book and learn go, Rush. <laughs> and, and again, music was still somewhat complicated. I mean, to your point, Soundgarden, like, it's not, I mean, that's, that's their contemporary to some degree, but. 
music, if you were learning how to play an instrument and you really liked music, you probably knew how to play music. You know what I mean? Like you were probably doing digs on how to play things, Stevie or whatever it was. So I think the thing that's fun about this era that, I mean, please don't turn this podcast off what it says, but you don't get as much now, yeah. is guys and girls knew how to play. Yeah. And I think what is the most fun about not only they know how to play, they know how to play a lot of stuff. And I think you hear that in Stone Table Pots because all of they're informed by a lot of music that just gets funneled into one kind of music. Right. And, and I, yeah, to tie on that, it's not that you are in it, so you're. it seems easier now, like, because it's mm-hmm. easier to just copy and paste and well, do and quantize all those yeah. things. It's, you mm-hmm. know, listen, I use that so stuff. I like what, <laughs> but I think to, to a player, you know, the, the thing that grieves me about music right now is if you're listening to music in the last 10 years, it's just not the, um, ooh, be it's not. The, <laughs> it's not the width and depth of if you were growing up in the eighties, nineties, yeah. where you're listening to music that was the twenty years before you and the insane musicality. Where now, you know, if you're a kid, I think about my kids, and I'm like, they're going to grow up listening to. It's all still really good music, but it's no, it, you know, it's four chord, yeah. three chord, yeah. And so I think these guys, you know, I think they're a great version of of that. You know, yeah. where you see like they could play. What they they really knew what they're doing. There's something to aspire to as a rock band. You know what I mean? Like you could go, all right. They still undeniable. They rocked, yeah. right? I mean, it was it was hard, good, heavy rock that made you feel like you were raging against something. But then also they were really they could really play. Yeah, song cool. structure. Oh yes, oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I want to say a couple of things that I think are funny about this. I love this is my job because I love to do it. <laughs> okay, um, I think the two completely different starts to me. Is so fascinating. Mm. They start with basically the chorus. Yeah, right. Chorus, chorus. With chorus. the melody uh-huh. in the slide, on yep. the slide. But really chill. Uh-huh. You see this in the big empty too. Surprises really you. Yeah, you're like, oh, these guys. What did you say I thought yeah. was so funny earlier? Such it's a like, nice, nice young boy. Nice right? young, <laughs> like, nice oh, these, when did you learn how to play, young man? Yeah. <laughs> um, is that an acoustic or a plug-in electric? Um, uh, but it starts with a chorus sort of theme and, you know, the melody. And then it kicks into that, I don't know, Jim Croce. Jim Croce still. <laughs> Which is just weird. Which just speaks to, okay, obviously, at some point they're listening to Jim Croce. They you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, yeah. yeah. They have to be. Um, just like George Michael was listening to. Uh, yeah. Uh, was uh, listening to uh, uh, Barry, Barry Manilow. Yeah. Um, the other thing, the couple things that struck me about this, so it's just kind of a weird start, because you could have started with either one of those. True. Um, it does get your attention, which I think is really cool. Kind of amps the song up with the lick, and you kind of know, like, okay, they're really going for it. Because I think if it had stayed in the You're a Nice Young Man, it'd be a different song. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the verse and chorus melodies are actually pretty similar, which is weird. Like he, he does stretch out the, you know, mm-hmm. it's the same note yeah. that he starts both on, which is really funny. Now the, the chorus is a little more legato, longer notes, you know, it feels like a chorus, but I was really surprised listening back as a professional song right now. And I say that in quotes, but I was like, oh yeah, he doesn't, it doesn't lift really. Uh-huh. It gets a little more rocking, it's kind of the same. but it's kind of the same. Still absolutely works, which was cool. Um, and I, and I, to your point, which you already covered this, but I wrote this down. Like um, the the verse, I just think the verse melody is really really cool. It's a real flex on that he knew what he was doing, and I think more importantly to your point, how good of a ear he had. Yeah, to go like oh here because you know if you it, it, which you just covered too, and and I was looking at the line notes. You know, the bass player brought him the song and was kind of like here's a song, and then he's so he's not sitting there writing it with him, so he's got time to really sit and go like. Oh, what are all the melodies I'm thinking with this? Yeah. And so you could really explore that space. I will say this is not a song form thing. The lyrics of the song, what? <laughs> no, I can. We can make it make sense. Okay, good. Okay, I've got a thing that I want to touch on on the lyric, and then I'll let Rob. One thing that I like about the lyric that I think really smart people do that they can pull off. So the line that ends the verse part, the read between the lines, your lies. Those words, the way he sings them, they sound almost like the same word. Yeah. Read between. And one of the great songwriters of our time, David McKee Barnes, oh. does that in a song called Headlights. Mm-hmm. The way you end the verse on that, the every mile you're on my mind. And then the way you start the chorus, oh, we were younger, that was way back before you were mine. Those words sound like the same word, yeah. but one letter change is can make all the difference in meaning. Oh, it's brilliant. So brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get you a really good Christmas present. <laughs> good luck topping this Christmas. You're, you're, you're learning the weight of my heart. <laughs> so, so Flattery I think, will get you everywhere. <laughs> literally, anything you want. Where's my Okay, so lyrics. The, the, so you can make sense of this. I think so. Most oh, wow. of it. Okay. Now, some of it, some of the metaphor and whatever, I think is you know, and 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 I think one of the things that I read about Scott Weiland was that he sort of, 
I don't know that he went out of his way, but one of his trademarks is that just he had lyrics that just like you said, what? Yeah. Um, but this one, once I learn, once you learn what it's about, it makes a lot of these lyrics fall into place. I'm going to look okay? at them. It did for me. Go. Okay. So the lyrics are talking about Scott Weiland's growing addiction to heroin, uh, an addiction that he was still trying to hide, particularly from his fiance, Janina Castaneda, who, according to uh, Robert DeLeo, Scott would call every night in the studio to let, to let her know that he was still clean and he was lying. Okay. So the lyric is written from her perspective, listening to him say okay. over and over how he's still clean. between the lines? Clean. Yes. I get the lines reference now if yes. it's Will Rusted Shame be the, be the, um, the Rusted Blade? Uh, maybe. Maybe so. And, so the, and, and, and the deal was they had, um, they had gone to Atlanta to record this. They had left San Diego. So she's in San Diego. Did they do this with Brennan Benson? Yes. I think so. That's why they're in Atlanta. Okay, I'm sorry. Pretty sure yes. on that. Sorry. I know sorry. Vaseline is done with, with uh, no Brennan O'Brien. Brennan O'Brien. That's right. Yes. 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 Yeah. Sorry. Um, um, and so, so that's where it, like leaving on a southern train, all that stuff, right? All this, the lies, all this stuff is it's about him being addicted and calling her every day to tell her I'm clean. God, that's amazing. Now, that but you from that, her geez. perspective. So it's really a, it's really a, yep. uh, everything was produced geez, by Brandon O'Brien. that's amazing. Right? It makes all it that all makes just lock sense. in. Jeez Louise. Isn't that crazy? Let me tell you a gift I don't have is that. I am so envious of people that can write something that you go, yeah, I relate to that. And it's like, do you know what it's really about? <laughs> that is the coolest <laughs> gift. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so, and then of course, Scott Weiland, uh, died in 2015 of an accidental overdose. Um, and that to me feels closer than it should. It felt like to me, like he died quite a bit longer ago than mm. 2015 Five years ago. Uh, feels, I don't know. Feels about right. And so, uh, he ends up being replaced and I didn't know this, I guess Stone Temple Pilots was just off my radar by then. He was replaced in Stone Temple Pilots by Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park. Mm-hmm. I, I had no idea. Um, and then. Of course, he also died in 2017. Yep. He had recused himself from Stone Temple Pilots in 2016 to focus on Lincoln Park. And so the band went on a search for a new lead singer. They found their guy in the form of uh, X Factor contestant Jeff Gutt, who uh, uh, Robert DeLeo heard and invited to an audition. And so they had gotten all these tapes and stuff, blah, blah, blah. They end up going with this guy that he hears. He goes out to a nightclub and hears him playing and invites him to come, come audition. He wow. Becomes, That's a dangerous he gig to take. It's kind of like the Spinal Tap drummer that keeps. No kidding. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no kidding. Stuffy, yeah. Stuffy Pete. Okay. Stuffy Pete. But this lead- <laughs> Just exploded. He's, he's exploded. a little green globule on his drum kit. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Um, Maybe that's for Stumpy Pete. This, <laughs> but this brings me to a question. I don't know if we'll be able to answer this succinctly or not, but what band would you hope called you to audition oh, man. and for what role? Oh, oh, okay. So I always wanted to play bass yeah. or second guitar for Disciple. Okay. Kevin or, Young's band. Or hey, bass for Bruce Hornsby. Knoxville, that, that's my Knoxville, Knoxville boys. That's right. That's right. I played, I played many a show with, with Disciple. Kevin Young. Really? For real. Dude. For real. I love them so much. Quick, quick uh, side. Favorite Disciple album by God? This might sting a little. This might sting a little. Uh, it's probably good. my favorite. Okay, yeah. Um, I would. I, we're fighting for the same job because I would probably want to play bass for Bruce Hornsby okay. because that's the. We, we just want to be JV Collier. That's we, it. Uh, are you kidding? I want to be Joe Puerta. Okay. Oh, oh, you're in the. Okay. You yeah. want to go range? Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. What's your dream gig, Dave? Are you playing drums for somebody or are you singing? You know, I think. I think. Oh man, I think I, I don't know why I haven't thought about this. Which I think is the best way to answer this question. If I think too much, I'm gonna I'm gonna seize up. Right. <laughs> I think it would be the Eagles. Like, oh, oh. we talk it back to oh. to the first question, to the first hot take. True. You're an Eagles cover band. You're yeah. doing it. I really think I would because the two. You know, I've told you all this, but the two people that people say I sound the most like are Paul Carey and Don Henley. But I I don't think I sound like. It's yeah, a great uh, comparison. Like it. It, is, by the way. it is a good. Right. It's a lot better than Pee Wee Herman. But um. <laughs> But I think, like, um, I think, yeah, I think it'd be fun to, and maybe play drums, like yeah. do, do the whole. Dude, thing. I just like, I'm telling you, I just uncovered Maybe. it. Yeah. Davidicus wow. Silo. <laughs> it's happening. Gosh. It's ha- we're waiting for the call. Me and Robert are on standby. It sounds like a great sci-fi <laughs> novel writer. Davidicus Silo with his newest book, The Angry Hatchet. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, you're going to love this. According to an article in Blender, <laughs> Scott Weiland recorded the vocals for Interstate Love Song in one take. I, I believe that. Awesome. One take. 
Um, I do like those stories. A few more notes on STP. STP were named the best new band of 1994 by the readers of Rolling Stone and the worst new band of 1994 by the critics of Rolling Stone. Oh, that's perfect. I mean, that's if perfect. that doesn't say everything you ever needed to that's, know. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's what you want. That's what you, you want to be the people's favorite and the critical people's least favorite. That's <laughs> well, awesome. and it just shows you, don't you wonder, it, you just can't help but wonder if they had like a, a meeting after that and like, I don't feel like we're really understanding our readers. Maybe like we think we right. are. Right? Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's good. Exactly. That'd be a discern- that'd be a, like a troubling piece of information. To get. <laughs> uh, let's yeah, see. As the uh, as the writers. Of oh that, my god! You're like, man, we're whoops, whoops, maybe I'm out of touch. We have got to lay off I'm the uh, the Bob Dylan. It's just yeah, way too much <laughs> and yeah, snark. Yeah. We got to get so we got to get out of Bob Dylan's butt. We're really yeah, just, yeah, yeah, out there. Um, let's see. Uh, originally named Swing. And then they changed to Mighty Joe Young, and then they were originally just called STP uh, from the they, the, the STP uh, logo. engine treatment mm-hmm. you know stickers. They always remember them like growing up. They're like, oh, STP is cool. And then they went through sort of several iterations of what STP actually stood for. Some which are extremely yeah. vulgar. Um, and then they landed finally on Stone Temple Pilots. That's where the name comes from. It's such a good band name. Uh, it really is. It just feels good coming out. You know. And what um, a great cover. On oh, this album. Okay, so I wasn't going to go here, but uh, apparently the cover is was inspired by a certain kind of heroin oh, well, that <laughs> that uh, that Scott Weiland had got in. I want to say in L.A. or somewhere out west. Retract um, the greatest cover uh, compliment <laughs> there. Sorry about that. Um, but a little bit on the album, it debuted at number one on the Billboard Top 200, number 99 on the Billboard 200 for the entire decade of the 1990s. No way. Uh, it was a big deal. Uh, six million plus copies sold. Jeez. It was recorded and mixed in eleven days at Southern Tracks Recording in Atlanta with Brendan O'Brien. Um, that, it is, again, listen, you can't do that with a bad band. No, yeah. you got to. You know can't your stuff do that with a bad band going in. That's true. Uh, it is number four on Rolling Stone's greatest grunge albums list. Anybody want that top ten real quick? Uh, actually, this is. I'm sorry. It is number twenty four on Rolling Stone's greatest grunge albums list. Number ten on Loudwire's thirty best grunge album of all time list. Uh, and so I took that top ten because it top ten is closer than twenty four. So here's number ten. Uh, you'll notice a couple of themes here. Number uh, number ten is Purple. Number nine, Temple of the Dog. That's the Soundgarden, Soundgarden uh, com- uh, Pearl Jam supergroup. Uh, number eight, Facelift by Alice in Chains. Number seven, Bad Motorfinger by Soundgarden. Number six, In Utero, Nirvana. Number five, Versus, Pearl Jam. Number four, Super Unknown, Soundgarden. That's probably my number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, Ten by Pearl Jam. Number two, Nevermind by Nirvana. Ooh. And number one, Dirt by Alice in Chains. It's the wow. same. It's what you're saying. It's the same. It's just the same four groups. It's the same I mean, groups over yeah. and over again. Uh, Dirt by Alice. Is that the one with the man in a box on it? Man in a box, uh, Rooster. Yeah. Okay. Um, I got a quote. I can bring it. And I'll play a couple of these covers. They're interesting. Okay. Uh, one quote I do want to say before we went out. I thought this was pretty neat when you sum up Scott Weiland's life. It's music starts to define periods in your life, and that's kind of the beauty of it. And we're in 90s, my, 90s month, kicking it off. So how about we send him with a Scott Weiland quote? That's true. Scott. That's so good. It is also true. Uh, there's a couple of really good covers and a couple of really interesting covers of this song. Uh, Memphis Mayfire did one on Punk Goes 90s Volume 2, and it's it's just sort of a punked out. You know, it's whatever. It is what it is. Um, here's one that's interesting. This is Stephen Farone's Farm Fur. Um, I don't know what that is supposed to mean, but this is Interstate Love Song by Stephen Farone's Farm Fur. Starts out as a different key, but it's pretty faithful. Is this live? Sounds like it. Dude, that bass player's getting it. Yeah. I hate that. And there's an acoustic. Full horn section. <laughs> Sounds like an accordion. <laughs> it's terrible. I can't stand that. Oh, whoa, didn't expect that vocalist yep. either. This is like the a really great wedding band version, you know? Yeah. That bass player has got it unlocked, though. <laughs> uh, let's see. All right. How about this one? This is Brad Meldow. Ooh. Uh, you know him? Yeah. Okay. This is Brad Meldow. This is a 17-minute solo <laughs> piano rendition of Interstate Love Song. Dude, he's amazing. I don't know this guy. I had not heard him Oh, y'all before. would love him. He does a... I think it's the same guy. He does Radiohead stuff oh, like this, and it's amazing. 
It's nice. I mean, he can really go. Oh, he's amazing. Thank you guys for coming to 90s <laughs> Month here. On About 11 minutes in. to NPR. There it is. The next interview is about the... Leviticus Silo. Leviticus Silo. <laughs> the much hated, much maligned, very talented. <laughs> He, about 11 minutes in, he gets into some really atonal stuff. Uh, let's play a little bit of this. And this is all still Interstate Love Song. So they tell me. We believe you. It's, yeah. Anyway. And then I got one more, one more cover. Uh, this is Teachers of Peaches. Teachers of Peaches. This is an acapella group with their version of Interstate Love Song. Excuse me, teaches of peaches. Is that all vocal group? Yep. Dude, they would have had to stick these chords. I want to hear this. Yeah, and I, they don't. But that's nice. That feels good. I love that they're doing like a strum. Chem, chem, chem. It already feels like that's not right. Yeah, they held a chord where it changed somewhere. Let's see. He's trying to embrace this, Scott Weiland. They just go with a straight five there. It's, they didn't do their homework. Because an acapella group should be able to carry that. You know what that I mean? Like, if you're going to be doing close harmonies and yeah. stuff, you should you're going to sing the F. You know? Yeah. No. <laughs> you need, they needed Bradley Knight to really tell them what was up. So uh, that's all. That's all I got. You Happy Nineties Month, everybody! Dave, Happy thanks again, month. man. Dave, Hope so you had a good time. Now. So everybody, go right now and subscribe to the Dadville Podcast. Subscribe to Dave's Five Hot Takes. And while you're at it, check out the That Sounds Fun Network. Uh, we're we're blessed to be in Annie F. Downs' uh, studio today, the home of the That Sounds Fun Network. Uh, she's got Matthew West. She's got Eddie and Annie Keep Talking. She's got That Sounds Fun, the sort of flagship podcast. Cast, all kinds of stuff going on. Um, and uh, pick up Dreaming in Electric Blue. We haven't talked about that. I know that's yeah, a, a little bit based back, but man, it's good. And Dave is smack in the middle of a song a month for a year, a commitment he was not Pray fully ready me. for. Pray for me. That's right. We'll lift one up uh, for Dave. Um, <laughs> but uh, man, Dave, seriously, from the bottom of our hearts. Thank and you so from, much, man. Our, like, our people love you, and that's why we keep coming back. Not just because we love you, but the people are so oh, excited to have guy. you on the show. So uh, from, from, from all the listeners, from the millions and millions of people <laughs> listening around the world, Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we'll be back next week with another great song. Until then, I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music.